to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, joining me on this uh, wonderful Wednesday evening. I had to think about what day it was because, I don't know, it's just kind of all blurring together. When you get a little sick, it's like it's blurred together. But you don't have to worry about anything because you're, uh, you're not here. <laughs> I can Thank breathe. the good Lord. I can breathe on the mic all I want and nothing will happen to you. That's, that's a, always a good thing. Uh, well, on, on today's show, we are we're just going to talk trade rumors and uh, and what's going on with some of these UFAs, some bigger names in the pile in the in the pool here, where uh, you know where they might be going. This is generally the time. I know we talk a lot about trade deadline, but there usually is one big move before Christmas. It, it's just kind of happens, and it's it's kind of one of those deadlines throughout the year that we get where there is a freeze. I think there's a technical freeze that comes, what, is it like the 20th of December or something like that? Maybe a week before Christmas. But some teams have two weeks before Christmas. So like Some of them just have their own internal, we're not going to be a dick and trade this guy right before Christmas kind of, uh, kind of vibe. So uh, this is the time when something could happen, really the next two weeks. And uh, I'm going to give it to you. you know, where do you want to start with this conversation, Justin? Boy, you want to talk trades? You want to talk what's going on in the NHL first? Well, yeah. Why don't we talk? Uh, I know. I know. We wanted to hit on uh, Connor Hellebuck and that uh, the helmet flying off, and and the, the bigger conversation around that probably is just goalie safety. Yeah. Uh, yeah where, where do you lie with that? Because I know at this point now, it's about a week ago that it happened. Um, obviously, nothing has happened because you know there's there's a board of governors meeting i think coming in december and then another gm meeting in the spring but uh really other than people kind of saying i didn't like that play uh there hasn't been much from the league in terms of hey here's this is going to be our response to this yeah it's it's actually kind of shocking that there's literally been no conversation outside of that initial like day after reaction um i mean to be honest, it, it rarely ever happens where you see a goalie, his helmet's off and he's laying on the ground and the play still continues. I think uh, refs are pretty good about it when the goaltender has their mask knocked off. And you'll see it all the time where like a goaltender might take a shot to the mask and their helmet's loose. They know the strap came off, so they just they throw their helmet off with a quick head jerk and then refs blow it dead. Um, you know, in this case, Connor Hollibuck kind of got ran over and was laying off to the side of the net and they still let the play continue. And, you know, um, for me... I think where I lie is obviously the goaltender is always going to be around the net and that's where players are taking shots. Right. And if you allow the play to continue, there's going to be, it's, it's only going to take once where a freak accident happens and like a plate or a puck gets tipped by a player's skate or stick. And then it ends up hitting the goaltender in the side of the face. And the next thing you know, he's got like, you know, broken jaw and then, or worse. Yeah. Yeah. Or worse. You just don't know or worse. And, and the, I think the, uh, the hard thing to watch, you know, I'm all, if, now, if we play a scenario back where, you know, a goalie is is moving from side to side, his helmet comes off, and a player is taking a shot right at the same exact time, and that puck goes in, and the goalie's helmet happens to be off by the time that puck comes goes in, I'm okay with that. I, I don't yeah, think absolutely. that it needs to be like, oh, the the helmet goes off, and anything that happens after that just it stops. I think it's. You know, hey, let them let them finish their scoring chance. I mean, the helmet comes off. You're you're in the middle of a shot. Maybe it hits the goalie or goes wide. What what have you? But as soon as that shot is done, and maybe a subsequent quick rebound, like it should be, 
three to four seconds. It should not be very long where that can happen. Uh, it shouldn't be, well, the other team has possession, so... <laughs> Like it's it's the same as when a player's just on the ice and can't get up and you're watching a team pass the puck around and you're like, come on, like we we have to care more about people than we do about the result of a, especially a regular season hockey game. Like I know two points can miss the playoffs and one one goal could be the difference of that. But frankly, it's it's still not it's not worth somebody have it like either getting hit with an errant puck goaltender or otherwise. And it should just, it should just be an easy, we blow it dead. Yeah. You might go, Oh, that freaking sucks. Well, that's lame, but it's just going to be one of those bad luck things. And how often every team across the league experiences a little bit of bad luck through the regular season. It just happens. Guys get injured for weird reasons. Uh, uh, you know, a guy's toe is slightly over the line and a goal gets called back. There's all sorts of bad luck plays that happen. Uh, and I think that this is one that I'm willing to to say, yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Even if it's against my team, it'll piss me off in the moment. But once cooler heads are are, are there, it's going to be very easy to go, well, yeah, of course. Like We don't want that guy getting hit in the face and, and something long-term happened to him. That would just be terrible and a terrible yeah. look. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, when players go down, right, players tend to just – other guys tend to pass the puck around him if they're still in the offensive zone and have control. But with a goaltender, he's typically in front of the net where he's going to be shot at. And uh, to me, that's where I, I kind of draw the line and say, you know what, let, leave it to the refs, let them blow it dead, and honestly, let's play worry it, like, about it later. If a guy's down, down, and you're like, oh shoot, this guy's like bleeding, bleeding bad. Here. Right. Um, just just like pass a guy, pass the puck to the guy on the other team and call it good. And you know, whatever to say afterwards, I just. I'm not going to let that guy lay there. This is not, it's not worth it. <laughs> like, right. And someone I don't that, think any coach is going to get pissed off no, at you for no. doing that. And someone that thinks that it is worth it. Well, screw them. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with them. All right. Um, all right. Well, anything else that, at, you know, in terms of that or anything else that's going on in the league that we want to hit on before we get to the, these rumors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously today, I don't know if, if, you know, our, any of our listeners, um, you know, heard, but Cal Peterson put on waivers. That was a big, you know, again, goaltender, right? That's, yeah, 15 that's always million where my bucks. Mind is. Right. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know he's been playing rough this season. He, he didn't have a very good, I mean, his year last year was meh, mediocre at best. Um, and, you know, LA has struggled to keep the puck out of the net. And, you know, obviously Jonathan Quick, uh, he's got the rings there and, um, you know, the experience, but this guy's got, a, like you said, a ton of money left on him still in there just going to go ahead and put them on waivers now i don't know specifically uh off the top of my head how much money that's going to save the team or um you know uh, if it saves them what nine hundred and sixty seventy five thousand or nine hundred fifty thousand? Is that it? yeah yeah and i mean you still got two more seasons after this or that and um you know i mean i i highly doubt any team is going to claim him at that price now if he was maybe two or three million yeah, I could see a, claim, uh, a team making a claim for a guy like Cal Peterson, who's once, you know, projected to be your next starter, and he's only 28, so he's still got time to to figure it out. But uh, you know, with guys like that, sometimes maybe you just need to get a, a kick in the ass and say, yeah. you know what, you're just not playing well. Well, and I think that that's really what's happening is that they realistically they they just don't feel like they can trust or play him, uh, and so yeah, if he if someone is is uh, ballsy enough, I'll say, to pick him off of waivers. Because it, 
there's a chance, you know, you pick this guy up off of waivers and, and he turns his game around and suddenly you've got a pretty darn good, good goaltender for decent money. Uh, I don't see it happening. I don't think anybody's going to do that, especially in the middle of the season. So I think LA, this is just, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're sending him down and they're probably going to start him quite a bit while he's down in the minors, hope that he can regain his, his composure, get his confidence back, get him playing. You don't want to have a guy playing every fifth game who you don't trust. So I I think this is just, this is truly a, I'm actually surprised that they didn't send him down for a conditioning stint, which I would think the reason that they didn't is they know he's going to clear probably because they've gone around and said, Hey, anybody want this guy? And, uh, no, probably no. Yeah, sure. If you want to eat half his salary and you know, I, I, and also he's due like a $4 million signing bonus in the off season. A lot of teams don't want to pay that. So I, I think yeah, his just, contract's backloaded. Yep. Yep. $6 million in the final year of that deal. So I, I'm sure a lot of teams don't want to take it and the Kings know he's going to go down. It'll save them a little bit of cap space. And, uh, I, they, they also, I think they sent a few other guys back down, Leas Anderson. And, uh, they're, they're kind of figuring out what to do here because they have, um, you know, they're, they're four, three and three in their last 10. I mean, in reality, that's four and four and six in your last ten, and that's uh, that's not going to get it done. They're scoring goals; they're the highest scoring team now, not per, in a per game basis, but they are the highest scoring team in the Pacific as it stands right now. Uh, but they've also allowed the second most goals, only uh, only shy of Anaheim, who is just letting in every goal. Uh, but let's be honest here: the Seattle Kraken sent Cal Peterson to the minors. His maybe his career was just ended by the Seattle Kraken because Seattle Kraken scored four goals and 16 shots on him after they pulled Jonathan Quick in a 9-8 game on Tuesday night. Uh, I did not watch it other than highlights later. I wasn't watching it live. Uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure that, that not, those nine goals are definitely a record for the Seattle Kraken and uh, for their organization <laughs> and a 17-goal game. I remember a couple eight seven games, but a nine eight game is uh, pretty spectacular. So yeah, that uh, was that was something else to watch. I'll I'll say for sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think LA's got to be looking at this like, well, we are in a playoff position, but Edmonton is three games in hand. Calgary's got three games in hand. Like they are by no means a lock, and defensively, they're going to have to figure this out especially because quick hasn't been very good, but that's probably more so because of what's happening in front of them, not necessarily the way that he's playing and the Kings don't want to go backwards. You know that they don't want to go missing the playoffs after going out and acquiring Kevin Fiala and making that big move. I mean, that's, that was it right there. And that's, I, I imagine LA wants to continue taking steps forward and not, not going and missing the playoffs again. Uh, That would, that would be bad. That would be bad indeed. Um, well, should we get to some of these uh, some of these rumor? Actually, oh, sorry, one more thing. We just uh, want to toss out there that Chris Letang, obviously, he had a stroke on Monday, uh, which is, if you're wondering, haven't I heard that before? Yes, he did have a stroke in 2014, and uh, apparently, he's okay. He's optimistic he's going to be back on the ice soon, and uh, and I, you know, it's the first time. Actually, really, the second time because he did this the first time in 2014. It's the first and second time that I've ever heard of somebody having a stroke and being like, "Ah, no big deal. I'll be back out. I'll be back at work in a in a month." 
right? Right. So, uh, just, I mean, obviously we wish him nothing but the best, uh, but this comes at a time where Pittsburgh's been pretty hot. They're 6-2-2 two two in their last 10. They've pulled themselves back into a, a wild card position, and without their top defenseman, the guy who's uh, eaten up the most minutes for this team, where do you, what do you think is going to happen to Pittsburgh here over the next, let's say, eight weeks? You know, This could lead us into February maybe when he actually comes back. Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh right now, they're treading water um, as far as, you know, the standings are concerned. They're sitting in the second wild card spot behind Detroit and Tampa there. So, um, listen, they've got the Rangers, Florida, all up on their heels. And, you know, if you wait too long, Washington might uh, claw their way back into this conversation too. But um, Not to know, mention think- Florida, New York, the New York Rangers, who are right behind them too. I and mean, there's, right. there's some some teams we expected to be in the playoff conversation that uh, that have not had a good start, but this certainly could open that window just uh, just enough, just enough to uh, to allow those teams to see an opening. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think Pittsburgh's going to do what Pittsburgh normally does when they get injured, uh, have you know star players injured, they're going to better, just, yeah, play better or just keep doing what they're doing. Right? Yeah. I don't think they're really going to change anything. It's just next man up because listen, they're tied up against the cap and. Don't have a lot of capital, so they're gonna just ride it out and see where yeah, this thing they don't goes. Have a lot of capital. <laughs> the capitals chase them. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we're gonna find out what it would have been like if uh, Chris Letang had signed in like Montreal or something like that, right? Here's our exactly. Here's our view. Uh, well, let, let's dive into some of these rumors because I I think there is a chance that something pretty decently big happens here as uh, we move into Christmas. Who do you want to start with? Who's who's your I guess I'll say this. Why don't we Why don't we start with the player that you think has the best chance of not just getting moved. We know there's going to be lots of players who are moved at some point, but getting moved before Christmas. Oh, before Christmas. Before I honestly Christmas. think that the the one player, I think if, if anybody, you know, Cap, I mean, Cap plays a big part of it, but um, I think, you know, teams being desperate to get some offense, I think Timo Meyer is going to be the first guy to get moved. Okay. All right. Yeah, Timo Meyer. I mean, and I think dating back to last year, I don't think we really had pegged him as, oh, Timo Meyer's probably going to leave. You know, he's right. an RFA, so that that certainly uh, plays a a factor as to why we would think that. You know, generally, you don't look at an RFA and go, oh, that guy's going to want out and he's just going to leave. Uh, but I I got to think that based on what their output is on the ice, that there's not going to be much of a fight from San Jose to say, no, like we need you here. Or like, you're not going anywhere because frankly, he can sign a one. He can, you know, he can go to arbitration, sign a one year deal and he's a UFA the next year. And then you're right back where you are. So I think they are, uh, they probably have all, you know, a better chance of getting better assets by dealing him now, as opposed to, you know, when he's a UFA, at least this, this gives teams the opportunity, not only to guarantee that you have him for two years, but to, Maybe get a contract before he's dealt, like a contract extension, or you at least have the opportunity. You've got a long time, a long runway, runway to be able to re-sign him to a, a long-term deal. Right, and that's the thing. I think teams are going to try to get a guy like Timo Meyer in faster because of his qualifying offer for next year, right? At $10 bucks. I don't think San Jose wants to give him $10 bucks to play one more year. Now, they, you know, they have... Is this qualifying offer do, so. $10 million? Yeah, it's $10 million just because oh, of where his salary is yeah. this season. And yeah. with $16 million bucks in cap space for next year, right, you take 10 out of that equation, so now you've got six to essentially put together 
half of your forward roster and another defenseman and potentially another goaltender on top of that. So the, the money's getting really thin. And I think, you know, uh, you know, Mike Greer and company would, would definitely like the flexibility of not having to give him 10 million bucks. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, they're obviously not going to not qualify him and let him walk for nothing. No, so, no. um, yeah. So, I mean, listen, I think this is a guy who's primed to move. I mean, almost a point later. per game player. He's on pace for over 30 goals again. I mean, he's, he's exactly what a lot of these teams who are looking for that scoring from the wing, which, I mean, you look up and down the NHL and you're going to find a lot of teams who are, a lot of the good teams have good centers and it's all about then bringing in those wingers who can complement them. And uh, yeah, Timo Meyer would be a, a great fit, especially since he's, he's a solid defensive contributor as well. Yeah. He's, he's an ideal power forward that I think every team in the league would love to have now. Uh, are they going to give him seven or eight years? Uh, no, but um, you know, he might get a, a solid five, $6 million deal out of it. And who knows, right? Maybe they might get him to that, that max contract and just kind of write off that last year or two as um, you know, as the cap goes up. Okay. Give me some, uh, give me some potential teams that you think Timo Meyer might, might head off to. Honestly, I, th- I think the number one team on my list where he might end up is going to be the Carolina hurricanes. Okay. Um, I look at this team right now and they've, they've kind of struggled as far as uh, depth scoring is concerned. I mean, they're obviously getting a lot of scoring out of their top guys like Sveshnikov, uh, Sebastian Ajo, Martin Ish. Uh, but, you know, when you move beyond really that, there's not a lot of, um, you know, there's not a lot of scoring going on, right? They've Koken Niemi's only got, what, four or five points this season um, as their second-line center. They're just not getting that depth scoring right now. And I know they're all sitting around waiting uh, you know, uh, patch, uh, patch to come back. And, but you know, there's no guarantee he's going to come back a hundred percent and when he's going to come back, I don't know. So, um, you know, if you're Carolina, who's struggling to hold on to, you know, that third spot in the, the Eastern conference right now, um, you know, in the Metro division, why would you want to risk it when you have other teams like Pittsburgh, you know, the Rangers that are typically playoff teams scratching at your heels, uh, trying to get in, why would you? I, I don't. I don't see why they would want to wait. Really, at this point, when those other teams are outscoring them, and you know, with your, you know, with Ranta and Anderson, you know, their health is always a question mark. Right. I, I mean, so, Anderson's on L, on IR right now. And, right. Uh, yeah. As is uh, Tuvo Teravainen, and uh, not not LTIR, but uh, I mean, I guess the issue for me is yes, Max Pacioretty's going to come back. There's seven million bucks, and there goes your cap space. Uh, so in order to fit. Uh, a six million dollar player under the cap that you add uh, that probably means somebody has to go or yeah I don't think there's much money that's going to have to go back I think you could send a couple million bucks and make it work Um, and let's let's face it I mean San Jose and Carolina have been trade partners before with Brent Burns so it would make uh, I mean I I suppose they they would eat half that three million bucks um, in cap space that that right there would obviously make it a much more palatable and, and easier to do uh, but you also, you know, you consider Freddie Anderson's going to come back. There's four and a half million. Uh, oh, I guess. Oh, he's not on a LTIR. Uh, is if Jake Cardner comes back too, that's four million dollars. So there, there are some other cap considerations. But I, I, I'm with you on the fit. Like they could really use a guy like Timo Meyer. I guess my one other other side note would be: Do you think Carolina is willing to give him ten million dollars? Well, yeah, I think they'll give him $10 million. If they're willing to give Cook and Niemi 4.8 for 20 years, I think they're more than willing to <laughs> give him. 20 years. 
<laughs> I think they're more than willing to give him 10 million bucks on a one-year deal and see how it plays out. Now, um, you know, if it doesn't play out and they can't get him signed long-term, you know, again, this is a guy who I think is a valuable trade ship. And, and you got to remember, too, Max Pacioretty's contract's coming off the books after this season. So at 34 years old, they probably won't re-sign him unless he has just a phenomenal season and hits it off. But they've got 27 million cap space next year. So I think they'll find a way to, to get it done with him and uh, keep him around for the long term. Okay. Uh, any, I, I just, at this point, I'm looking at the Islanders consistently because of their lack of activity in the off season. We know that, you know, they basically brought back the same exact team plus Alexander Romanov. Uh, and they're, they're playing pretty well. They're, you know, they're in the thick of things. They're second in the, uh, in the Metro far behind New Jersey, but so is everyone. And they've been, they've been playing well, but I think that you would look at a guy like Timo Meyer and go, oh, man, Lou Lamarillo would have to be uh, chomping at the bit to get a guy like that into the organization after, you know, everything that had happened. And the fact that he's much younger than pretty much this entire core of uh, forwards other than Matthew Barzell uh, and Bavillier, that he would be able to come in not only, you know, maybe replace some of what you may lose is some of these guys could age out, but also for this season, you add in a very competent forward who probably could fit the system pretty well. Yeah. I mean, the way he plays that power forward game, I, I don't think there'd be any fit questions now. Right. Um, and the, you know, and as long as I've, you know, as long as he's been a part of this organization, uh, you know, Matthew Barzell has been looking for, uh, you know, a winger to play on his, on his line for him. So somebody who can keep there up. And I think Timo Meyer would be a good fit for that, but now the question is, you know, what are you sending back? I mean, um, obviously with with the Islanders, um, it's going to take a little bit more than a first round pick, and I, I suspect um, the the San Jose Sharks would want some sort of prospect, maybe Oliver Wolstrom, uh, you know, maybe one of those those quality young defensemen. I don't know Noah Dobson, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be expensive to go and get this guy, right? Like, yeah. I think every team is would be under the impression that it's going to probably cost you three first round picks in some way, you know, prospects, actual first round picks, etc. cetera. Uh, I, that would be my guess for a Timo Meyer. If that's what, uh, if that's what Arizona is looking for, for Jacob Chikrin, I imagine it's very similar for Timo Meyer. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I would, you know, venture to say you could probably do three pieces, right? A first rounder, a, a quality prospect in a, in a good roster player, I think would be okay. Uh, maybe enough to get it done and it depends how long San Jose wants to wait right um, you know the the sooner in the year you you trade for a player usually the more it can cost you but um, if you wait right up to the deadline it's going to cost you even more so I yeah. would pull the trigger now if I was Carolina or, or the Islanders for sure or maybe one team that has not been able to uh, to keep the puck out of the net or really score has really struggled but have come back with a vengeance in their last 10 games, seven and three in their last 10, the St. Louis blues who many had already written off. Although we know what they, they did when they won the Stanley cup. Uh, how nicely would Timo Meyer fit in St. Louis? You know, the blues would be a, an excellent fit for up that power forward type of guy. He also slides in nicely. Let's say Tarasenko says, bye-bye. Uh, you've got a guy who really is, is coming in to replace Tarasenko uh, long-term if he doesn't re-sign. Yeah, I mean, a long-term fit, right? Meyer would, would fit in really well there. The only problem is in the short term, how do you get him in there, right? I think there's just money that's got to go back. And, 
and who do you send? Is you know San Jose willing to take on Brandon Saad's contract, or um, you know maybe do you send a Pavel Buchnevich back the other way? I don't think you do. So I, I don't um, think you want to do that. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's really difficult to find the money to send back. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think you know I don't think they they have a player that they'd be willing to part with right now. That's that's going to free up that cap space. I mean, would you would you you know would you kind of I don't want to say give up, but uh, in a sense, kind of just allow Jake Neighbors to go in that deal. Like that may be the player that St. Louis dangles out there is Jake Neighbors, who has who struggled, uh, you know, in the in the twelve games that he's played in the NHL, and uh, he's down in the AHL right now. He's got five points in seven games, but no goals. Uh, he's somebody who. A lot of a lot of people really like him coming into this year. I mean, he's drafted in 2020 in the first round, and you know, there's one of the pieces you would need. He would probably need to be involved. Is a Jake Neighbors? You're probably talking about another a, a defenseman potentially that would need to go. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be tough to acquire a guy like Timo Meyer in the middle of a season, especially for a team that's really good right like that's that's always the challenge of these is that you you have to give up so much to get a player like that but uh if you think it's going to help you now which st louis is certainly in a win now mode i mean honestly i mean who if you think you can win the cup this year then i i think you probably need to uh, add a piece like that maybe not team omeyer but add a piece like that uh, yeah all right. Uh, well, I think we've probably spent enough time on Timo Meyer. Uh, unless we've got <laughs> any more to say, I don't. I don't think anyone's talked about Timo Meyer for this long in their life. Uh, that's not true. I'm sure his mom Ouch. has. I'm sure his mom has. Uh, shall we go to uh, the Caner Taves situation? Let's do it. Uh, where Where do you? Okay, so there's actually been a lot more buzz around where Jonathan Taves is going to go. I think because it's. Does it feel like Patrick Kane is kind of like a well? He's going to go to the he's going to go to the Rangers. At least that's the vibe right now. I'm not. I don't know if that's actually what's going to happen, but it seems like there's kind of just this like well, there's no point in worrying about other rumors. He'll go to the Rangers. <laughs> yeah, it sucks for those two guys because I feel like I'd like to see them traded now, but because of their cap hits, it's right. going to be very difficult to make it work right now versus closer to the deadline. So, right. um, you know, for a guy like me with with Patty Kane's. Um, you know, I think if they if the Rangers try to make a play for him now, which, which I mean, really they could really use him now. They're 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 struggling to get yeah. in. They're not. They don't got a ton of offense right now. And so, um, you know, Shesterkin bailed him out last year, and I think right now it's just and, uh, and he's yeah. been struggling a little bit this year, right? And so if you can pick up the goal scoring a little bit, that would be tremendous. And I know they they've struggled to to make Lafreniere and and Capocacco work on those right wings, and they you know they've been you know, playing Goudreau and other guys up and down that lineup, you know, Jimmy VC on that right side on those first two lines to try to make things work. And it's just, I don't really think it's panning out the way, you know, Ranger staff had, had thought it would. So, you know, for me, I would pull the trigger now and give Kaner as much time as you can with, uh, you know, with one of those top two lines to find some chemistry. But, I, I, th- uh, I don't know that we've seen a deal happen at Christmas time where, uh, a, a player is a three-way trade is is done, right. and you get another team hanging on to their cap space because teams want to they want to maximize their cap space, and that happens by waiting the longest, right? Because of your accrued space and all that. Uh, that to me is probably the impossibility of a trade for Kane is that the Rangers. I mean, outside of dumping someone with a lot of salary as well, I I just don't know if it's uh, if it's feasible right now. Although you're right, it would be a great fit right now however 
let's put this out there. Do you think Patrick Kane, looking at the Rangers situation right now, goes, yeah, I want it. Let's go to the Rangers and win a cup. As a team that's sitting outside the playoffs, uh, does do we now, after twenty almost 25 games, do we still see the Rangers as Stanley Cup contenders? I think with Patrick Kane, absolutely a Stanley Cup contender. Um, their defense, their goaltending is good enough, and I think that little boost that Kaner can give give that top six would be enough for me to say, good, you know what, I, this is a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, is you know as as deep as they went last year in the playoffs, I think with Kaner they can they can go even further. And so um, the only question mark is you know what are you giving up? So um, you know I, I looked at this a little bit and really thought about it, and you know I, I want to float this out there to you, and not to kind of go off topic, but. Um, you know, Capo Caco, are you willing, if you're the Rangers, are you willing to give up on him and maybe send him to Chicago to try to make this deal work in a three-way trade? Ooh, wow. That's, uh, I mean, he's the older of the two between him and, and Laf- Lafreniere. I, I feel like you just, uh, it's so hard to give up on those guys that are first, second overall picks to just go, nah, you know what? They're not working out. Cause a few years in the league is nothing, right? Like, get pl- how many guys have spent a few years in the league and then they they blow up and they have pretty good careers? Now, I'm not saying that he's going to be Connor McDavid or even like even a a number one line uh, top line player in the league, but maybe he develops into you know what I would consider to be like a Ryan Johansson. I'm at Duchesne, that that kind of player who absolutely makes a difference on your team, puts up big points. It might take him a little bit longer to get there, and he's an effective player. He's just not that absolute superstar. I think there's there's got to be some question marks about whether he could still get there. And, yeah, and I think that question mark, you know, I think he's the type of guy that needs ice time. He needs that top power play time to, to really develop and to produce and um, – you know, with, with the cast they have, that core they have locked up for the next four or five years, you're just not going to get that time in New York. And so, you know, in Chicago, he'll get every opportunity to be a top-line guy out there. Uh, granted, you know, he might not have an ideal center or, you know, line mates for a while, but um, that would be a good way for Chicago to start the rebuild. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, there is the fact that the Rangers have two first-round picks this year, too, um, really makes it much easier more palatable to part ways with one of those uh you can they have have dallas's so you probably are floating dallas's before your own because uh it sure looks like dallas's first round pick is going to be a pretty high one and uh or i i guess a low one low high i don't know (laughs) a late one a late one there we go late uh yes yeah i just i i wonder about the rangers if if we go another 50 games or sorry, another 25 games, and they're still sitting outside the playoffs, are you not kind of pivoting and going, hey, uh, Dallas, Colorado, you you guys interested? Because I don't want to go and lose in the first round or, worst case, miss the playoffs. <laughs> you know, that would be that would be terrible to go get dealt and then miss the playoffs. And, you know, maybe if the Rangers are in a position where they're not super confident in what they have, are they willing to give up what's necessary to go get Patrick Kane uh, when they could just not give anything up and sign him in the offseason? Yeah, that's that's the question mark, right? Are you confident you'll get in with what you have now? Um, and I'm not – I mean, I'm 
I'm not 100% confident they would get in at this point the way they've been playing, but you know what? This is a team that... Seems like it's certainly possible, but... Yeah, it it absolutely is possible. I mean, I think it's more possible for them to get in than the way we wrote off the St. Louis Blues a few weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's that's the big question mark, and I think, you know, Patrick Kane is probably already eyeballing the Rangers, so... um, you know, it's it's his decision to make, and he holds our, all the the leverage. So, you know, if Chicago wants anything for him, you know, they'll uh, they'll make a deal regardless of what it costs the Rangers or what it doesn't oh, yeah. cost them. Yeah, yeah, Chicago doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. they don't care. I, I'm sure they would love if the Rangers sent them their first round pick and then they missed the playoffs. That would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, okay, uh, let's let's go, Jonathan Taves. Then, uh, what? Let's go with top three places you think he's going to end up. Oh, you know what? He's, you know, I'll be honest with you. I did not really look at him too much as far as, um, you know, where he could possibly end up. But just off the top of my head, thinking about this, I think Colorado would be one place um, because they are especially losing Kadri. Yes, they are a team that I've I've got a couple other centers here on the board that I think they've got five million in cap space. So they they could maneuver. Yep. I think he would be a good fit. I think the Boston Bruins would be another team because they're always a team that goes in on a big fish. It seems every deadline. And I think, you know, if you can go into the playoffs with Bergeron, Krejci, and Taves as your top three centers, I mean, you're you're all set. And you got to think with you know Bergeron's age, uh, Krejci's age, and you know you know possibly Taves losing Taves' age. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you want to go all. This is an all-in season for the Boston Bruins. Right. So I think that would be just another ideal place for him to go. And then after that, I look at the Dallas stars because, um, they're another team that I think needs a second line player, uh, to play with Sagan and, and Marshman. And, um, you know, again, I think Taves would, would fit in pretty well there because it gives you flexibility. You can still keep Sagan on the wings. You don't have to play him at center. Um, and then he's just, he plays a great two way game anyways. Um, whether or not he produces offensively as well. Um, I don't think it can get any worse than what they've been, you know, they've been rolling Radic Fosca in there right now. And, right. and, you know, a whole string of other players. Doesn't but, matter that first line scores are, and and they're actually getting right. second line production from Ben and Sagan. So they're well. Ben's uh, on the third line and he's producing yeah, a point per yeah, game. I mean, they're going to keep him great. there. So, uh, yeah, I I'll say there's one team that I I think is probably a little dark horse, uh, but based on the way that they've played thus far in the regular season, I'm looking at the Winnipeg Jets because Jonathan Taves is from Winnipeg be pretty cool probably to go back uh you know just it maybe for just the the one season to go back to winnipeg and man what like what that extra center would look like uh to add add jonathan taves to get that playoff experience in with this group where a lot of this group has had some pretty significant playoff failures and to bring in jonathan taves who has had great success i think could could really help this group and uh you know, I, I think he'd fit fine other than, you know, of course there's the salary to deal with, but, uh, anytime we're talking about these guys, they're going to, they're going to get traded to, to multi, like it's going to be a three-way trade has to be, uh, and nobody can fit this kind of space under their, under their cap, probably not even the 5 million. It's got to be two and a half. And, and at that point you can kind of work it out. They've got 2.6 in current cap space for the deadline and that'll only increase over the season. So, uh, I, I don't think it would be a problem for the Jets, but I really like the fit there uh, in Winnipeg. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. All right. Uh, who else Who else do you have? Who else should we jump to? 
Yeah. So after that, I'd love to talk about uh, speaking of of um, you know centers. Maybe let's talk a little bull bull Bo Borvat. Borvat. Yeah, Borvat. I actually almost called him Borvat. Borvat. <laughs> Glad you picked up on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that it's uh, if if I had to give a percentage number as to where I thought Bo Horvat was at with extending with Vancouver, um, I I would say I'm probably at like. 30% he's going to resign 70% uh they're going to let him walk or trade him. Uh but I thought that that was like 10% a couple of weeks ago. And and now Vancouver they've hey they're one point out of the playoffs still. And uh, I who knows what what'll happen the rest of the way. I don't know that they're consistent enough to really uh to push some of these teams out of the playoffs, but Bo Horvat's been there his entire career. They drafted him my guess is that it'd be pretty tough to say goodbye. And maybe yeah. he's willing to, you know, if they're willing to play ball with him, he'd probably be willing to to stay is my guess. Yeah. I mean, but look, I, you, you look at the, the recent deals that have come up in the NHL, right? We just had Rupe Hintz get signed for eight plus million bucks. Yep. Uh, Tage Thompson. Today. Deal and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Today. And Tage Thompson's contract, uh, Robert Thomas's contract is seven plus million bucks. I don't think, but Horvat's going to take much of a hometown discount to stay in Vancouver. And that's the concern to me because, you know, yes, they, they've got a little bit of cap space, 13 million bucks next season. But um, you got to remember, I mean, they, they have half of their forward group really signed. There's, there's guys that are going to need new deals uh, coming up, especially Elias Pettersson, uh, you know, a year after next. And, yep. And, um, he's, you know, and, and the way he's playing this season, he's going to get over $10 million by on his next deal. Exactly. Yeah. You've got JT Miller's contract kicking in. And I know, uh, you know, in Vancouver, the name we've, we've heard floated around a lot was Connor Garland. But, you know, if you're a team looking for help offensively, why would you not go after Bo Horvat over a guy like Connor Garland, who's, you know, putting up 10 points in 22 games. So you're not getting the same type of point per game production you get out of Bo Horvat. So um, to me, I think if Vancouver is even just a little bit out of the playoff picture, I'm dealing him. Uh, Isn't it, though, like, you just signed JT Miller to a fat contract. How are you going to do that and then trade Bo Horvat? That's that's where I'm at, is that, you know, if you're going all in with JT Miller, who is 29, why are you not going all in with Bo Horvat, who's 27? Yeah, I I mean, look, I think last year when you looked at the production that both these guys were giving you, I mean, JT Miller obviously – had the better season at 99 points and he's still putting up a point per game pace, which is great. I mean, he's actually got exactly the same amount of points in same games as Bo Horvat, but you know, last year you would have expected the same amount of production probably out of Bo Horvat at 52 points, 70 games. So you're thinking, okay, good. You know what? We can get this guy probably around six, 7 million bucks. If we give JT Miller, you know, the 8 million bucks they did. And so, um, and now he's got that, 17 goals in 23 games right. and is on pace for 50 goals. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of backfired because I suspect that probably Bo Horvat's camp said, you know what, no, we're not we're not going to talk about negotiations now. We want to wait to see how the season goes, and then we'll have that discussion. And so, um, you know, obviously they, they probably bet on themselves, and it's clearly paying off because, um, you know, I, I think, again, if, if Bo Horvat wants to stay in Vancouver – um, truly does and is willing to take a discount, maybe at seven, seven and a half million bucks. They could probably find a way to make this work. But if he's pushing towards nine million bucks for a contract for a center, next term, though. for a center and for a young guy, I mean, I, obviously, in, in my mind, actually, like, yes, you've got Rupe Hints, who I think I'm taking Rupe Hints over, uh, over Bo Horvat personally. Uh, but I'm looking at what Dylan Larkin's about to get. 
Uh, you've got to think Dylan Larkins is going to resign sometime here. And, uh, and to me, they're very similar players. They're both the captains of their team. Neither player is necessarily a superstar, but they both mean a tremendous amount to their team. They both were drafted by their team. They, they both developed into like not just great hockey players, but great people in the community. I, I think they might be looking more at what Matthew Barzell got in New York because Barzell's kind of right there too. Like he's that guy who not necessarily putting up massive points, but they drafted him. They developed him. Uh, he loves living there. You know, there's so many factors. And, and I mean, frankly, I know his numbers maybe were reflected by playing for Barry Trotz and, and here he goes, you know, 26 points in 24 games. Granted, he, Ooh, it took him a while to score one goal. Uh, he's on pace for about eight goals, but nobody ever minded that from Joe Thornton or Ryan Getzlaff. Uh, they still paid him money. So, I mean, $9.15 million for Barzell. I got to think that both Larkin and Horvat are looking at that deal going, look, it's the same thing. Center, captain, developed here. We're putting up a point per game. Let's go. Like that's that's the benchmark. He signed that last year, so I want nine point two or nine point three. Yeah, I mean, I have no doubt Larkin's going to look between nine and ten million bucks. And yeah. uh, look, Steve Eisenman is is a master negotiator. He's going to try to get Dylan Larkin as cheap as possible. And um, but I mean, ultimately, focus back here on Bo Horvat. I think um, you know, again, he's going to look for similar money as you know a guy like you know. Matthew Barzell and, and Dylan Larkin. And so I think it's just going to be tough for Vancouver to swing that. And I do think he's going to get moved at some point. Now, where he goes is is the big question, right? Um, you know, I've been looking at teams that could really use a guy like that that I think would fit in well nicely in their system and really just slide in, no questions asked, and just produce right over the top. Um, and I looked exactly, you know, straight. The first thing that came to mind for me was the Minnesota Wild. Um, right now they've got Sam Steele, the reject from Anaheim, playing top line minutes at center at the first line. So <laughs> yeah, if you can Hartman's get a, out, yeah. Right, yeah. So if you can get Bo Horvat to slide in that first line center, you can slide everybody down appropriately where they belong. You get a heart and soul character guy. And to do so, all you have to do is send back a defenseman who you're probably not going to re-sign after this year in Matt Dumba because Vancouver desperately needs some quality D-men. And maybe that's enough you know, for, for Vancouver to give Matt Dumba an extension. Um, you know, with some good money, probably more money than he would get this off season. So, um, you know, maybe you send him Dumba over and, you know, a couple, couple other pieces, a middle, you know, second or third round or a prospect or something and, and make that happen. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 any team that gets Bo Horvat, it's, it's going to definitely catapult them. I mean, he's, he's a guy, I think we all wished we saw in the playoffs more often. Uh, the last time he was in the playoffs, 2019, 20, and uh, he had you know, 10 goals in 17 games. He was electric in the playoffs. He's only made the playoffs in the NHL twice. And so, I, I mean, I just think he's that kind of guy that you want to see in the playoffs. So I, I, for one, hope that he gets dealt or the Canucks make the playoffs, one of the two, because I think that he, he certainly deserves the shot at a cup and uh, and should be playing in the playoffs the way that he plays. Uh, should we go to Chikrin? Let's go to Chikrin. No no defenseman yet, so let's let's go to Chikrin. Um I I know it's it's kind of been that been the obvious uh, pick since you know Morgan Riley goes down, Jake Muzzin's out. Uh, he's got a pretty team friendly deal. Toronto Maple Leafs have certainly put in feelers for Jacob Chikrin. I know they want basically three first round picks. Um, however, that 
that goes out, you know, whether that's prospects or, or actual first round picks, which the Leafs do have. Um, what do you think about the Leafs going out and getting Chikrin? You know, I, I mean, no team's going to be foolish to not make a play for a guy like Chikrin, right? But to me, I think the wiser play might be, and when I say wiser, I mean cheaper cost-wise, right? Um, and it really depends, right? Is is Kyle Dubas, you know, and Sheldon Keith saying, you know what, we have to go all in this season because uh, we're probably going to get the axe if we don't get past the first round? Then, yeah, then you can dump your first round, second round pick, uh, a good prospect, and, and go out and get a guy like Chikrin, but... For me, I, I actually was looking at a guy like Shane Gostisphere out of um, mm. Arizona. I think you could probably send a guy like Connor Timmons back, another prospect, and maybe a future first-rounder. I don't know uh, if they'd want Connor Timmons back, but maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but still, you know, I mean, you know, hey, I think it might only take two pieces to get Shane Gostisphere um, because he doesn't play a big defensive, sure. you know, all-around game. He's so offensively talented um, that I think, you know, Toronto would welcome that and – um, you know, he could definitely slide in that first power play unit where, you know, Riley's out right now and, um, you know, feeling quite nicely. And if anything, give them a little bit more depth um, on the blue line anyways. But And with him being a UFA, you know, you can you can wash your hands of that deal after this year. You're not tied up, you know, 4.6 in Jacob Chikrin, which is a great number for Jacob Chikrin. But uh, if Muzzin comes back next year, you know, you're going to have a little bit of log jam in there. So it might make more sense to bring back someone who's not going to come back next year. Right. And, and, and again, too, you know, like you said, um, you know, I think, again, Toronto would be, you know, foolish not to go after one of these guys. But, um, you know, as far as Chikrin's concerned, I think there's going to be, you know, a dozen plus teams, you know, making inquiries and really having serious consideration for a guy like this. But um, to me, I actually looked towards the LA Kings when I, when I thought about Jacob Chickren's name, because I think this is a team we just talked about it earlier. Cal Peterson's on waivers. They're just, they're struggling to keep the puck out of the net. And I think they could use a guy who brings a more steady defensive game, but also can produce offensively. Um, you know, and LA could really use a guy like that on the left side. Cause their left side is very, very weak over in, um, in LA. They've got a lot of right-handed guys that play the puck well. Um, so to get a left-hander in there to maybe play with, you know, Drew Doughty or, uh, you know, Sean Dersey, who knows, would, would probably work out pretty well. But um, I think you could send Matt Roy back, who's still a good defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be a really interesting piece for Arizona to take advantage of. And he's only 27, so he's right in the prime of his career. And Maybe they and, would be willing to take Cal Peterson. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, but probably not. Because um, they could just snag him for free right now if they want. So, well, that's true. Um, you well, know, but, and, but then salary could be held on. Yeah, or maybe you could even send in a guy like Alex Iafalo, who's, you know, again, a quality top six guy, um, you know, for this this L.A. Kings team. But L.A. has seemed to be – they've been doing pretty dang good without yeah. him right now. So, um, you know, or maybe you even dangle another guy like, you know, Gabe Velarde out there if you want to, too, if you really are that desperate. Uh, because that's, again, a guy at 23 years old who's 18 points in 24 games, and he's an RFA, so you, can, you have all the leverage there. I think that would, you know, just entice – you know, Arizona, like none other. So. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think uh, obviously Ottawa, that name has been knocked around a lot when it comes to Jacob Chikrin. Uh, we all know the defensive woes of the Ottawa senators. They have struggled mightily this year. Uh, and uh, I mean, he would be, obviously he'd be a good fit there and I, they could fit his salary in. it would be, you know, in a lot of ways, it's a good fit and they, they certainly have the prospects to give him, give it up for him. But it seems like we've been hearing that for a long time 
And at this point, you got to wonder, why has Ottawa not pulled this trigger yet? If they were in it so deep and they really wanted Chikrin, why would they not have done it by now? And that's what makes me wonder, you know, Ottawa must be looking at this going, well, A, we're about to sell our team and we're having a really bad season. We're not going to go and bring in four, four point six extra million dollars into a team when we're about to sell them. We're just going to stand pat and let the season ride. Someone will buy us. And then it's their their call as to what they want to do. And I actually I think that may be where the senators are, are at right now. Yeah, I would agree with you because, again, if you're trying to, you know, squeeze as much money out of this as, you know, an owner is where you're trying to get as much, you know, much for your investment, um, they don't want any further long term deals right. on the books when you're trying to sell it. Right. Um, you know, you've already got Tim Stutzel's new contract kicking in next season. You've got Brady Kachuk. Shane you brought Pinto. in Giroux. You're going to have to re-sign uh, Alex Dabrinkit to a, a pretty big deal if you want right. to bring him back. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, again, I don't think they want to commit any more money than they have to for futures. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think they'll they'll wait till the off season and this a sale is more solidified. I guess. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, let's go one more player. Who who else do you have that uh, that you want to toss out there before we sign off? Okay, uh, kind of a dark horse uh, player that I think um, not a lot of people are looking at because of another player on his team that we've already talked about, but Andre Kuzmenko. Oh, Andre Kuzmenko, yes. Yeah, yeah, from Vancouver. I think he's a guy, you know, again, at a point per game right now, he's uh, he's going to be another guy that I don't think Vancouver can afford to re-sign after this season. They brought him in on a flyer hoping he would pay off. And Damn me for dropping him in fantasy. Right. <laughs> Yeah, he's I did pick pretty. him in the draft, and I was like, eh, I don't know. I'll drop him and pick up someone else. And Yeah, only 21 points in 22 games. <laughs> Which, by the way, you beat me by like four points this week, and really... Which was stunning, because I was up by like 60 dude, or 80 points a couple with like You were two up days by left. like 100 points. Yeah, and, you made a nice little push. Um yeah, I had I had four players with over fifty points in the week, which is crazy. I looked and uh, I think I had four players that scored higher than your highest scoring player. It's just, I mean, obviously you had more consistency throughout the lineup, but I I think that uh, you may have some had something to do with that water main break in Nashville <laughs> because I straight up lost because of that. Hundred percent, I lost my I lost my start because I left in Georgiev. Okay. And uh, and I didn't. I mean, the game was at two p.m. I I set my roster the night before, and then I think it was like three. I went and checked, like, hey, I'm gonna go check on the goalies, and I just, you know, I forgot to come in earlier. That's my bad. But I wasn't expecting a water main break in the arena to cancel a game. So then Georgiev, well, I could take him out of the lineup. Another two o'clock game had already started, and Darcy Kemper went and got twenty nine points on my bench. So uh, oh. uh, yeah, and there was there was one other situation like that with a forward and, a, and the one forward I would have put in got nine and a half points. So I missed out on 40 points. Yeah. And th- the sad part is, is I wasn't even paying attention that last Sunday to make any further moves too, because I was just like, I, I've got him beat. Dude, you know, there's no chance you know he's coming what? back. I thought the same thing. I was like, ah, there's no point in like trying to drop a couple guys and like adding a few players here. I'm so far back. There's no way. <laughs> Uh, that freaking four points away. I was watching it and was like, holy shit, am I going to win? <laughs> it came within four points. Yep. And now I'm yep, two and four. Did. Fortunately, the top team in my division is three and three, whereas your division, there's three teams at five and one and one at four and two. I know, so, it's crazy. So this is it's a very, uh, a very 
unbalanced divisions here. So all I have to do is really like I can come back and in a couple of weeks I could be top of my division sitting here at two and four. Yeah, and it's set up the top teams in each division get an automatic bid. So yep, yep, that's what I got to go for. So uh, sounds good to me. But yeah, that's uh, wait. Oh yeah, Kuzmenko. That's how we got onto the fantasy thing. Sorry, I didn't. It mean, is didn't mean a railroad. <laughs> Your uh, your Kuzmenko pick. I mean, yeah, at a point per game. Do you think Kuzmenko more than just a first round pick for this guy? I do. Yeah, I, I really do. I think uh, you know he's he's going to be a, a you know a guy that a lot of teams are going to look to squeeze in their top six at some point. Um, like I said earlier, with um, you know with with Jonathan Taves maybe in Dallas, I think Dallas would be another team that's really going to look at this guy because look at his cap hit. Right. That's that's why I oh, think he's sure, going to get yeah. more than a first rounder. Um, you know, if you can add a point per game guy for less than a million bucks, I mean, whew, there's going to be so many teams knocking so on the door teams. to get this guy. Yep, so many teams. Yeah. He he may be the most uh, like bang for your buck acquisition that you could get at the at the deadline if Vancouver is not uh, is not in the picture. Uh, yeah, I'm and sure. there, there's a plenty of teams that are going to start call, making calls. I mean, even if if Vancouver starts falling out in the next ten to fifteen games, I could see teams like you know Florida, Carolina, sure. Dallas. Um, you know, maybe even the Maple Leafs man might make an inquiry yeah. about this guy. I mean that that's probably the one forward for the Leafs that you could go. Yeah, the, that would actually make sense because the Leafs could do that. That's the that's the beauty of Kuzmenko and why it's such a great uh, a great player to bring up because he really can go anywhere. There isn't a team that can't fit a guy for nine hundred fifty thousand under their cap. Exactly, like and he could and he's so offensively talented and and at twenty six years old his IQs. I mean, he's got a really good hockey yeah. IQ, so I think this guy could slide in and play with guys like Matthews or Tavares without missing a beat. Love it. All right, well, that's uh, you know our our pre Christmas trade rumors. You know, as we uh, as we get closer to Christmas, I know we'll be still looking at a lot of this. We'll uh, continue talking hockey as we get closer and closer to that first first little deadline in the season, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll be here for all of it. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Justin, any final thoughts before we log off? I love you. I love you too. And we love our listeners. We'll talk to you guys very soon. Have a good one.